0: <clears throat> take number seven because believe it or not recording the intro to a podcast is the hardest part so welcome to episode 15 of sitting in with nicholas Glue. it was great fun to sit down with nicholas and chat about what he's been working on over the last couple of years from touring the world as a session guitarist to teaching people all over the world and his past kind of yeah, we kind of delve into his past and how he used to draw upside down horses at Berkeley and was uh, encouraged to take some magic pills. So I hope you enjoy it and uh, don't forget that if you want to support the podcast, you can get some merch via our Teespring store, which is linked in the description. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, man. Good to meet you, Nick. It feels like, uh, feels like we've done this before, but we've not.
1: Yeah, it does not feel like the first time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the power of uh the power of social media, I guess. You we put yeah, our hearts on our sleeve and that's it. <laughs>
1: I feel like I've been you're one of the people that I've been following from the the very beginning too. Yeah. Yeah. Like Oh wow. You were one of the first I feel like one of the first people that when guitar Instagram videos were becoming a thing. I think you were like right there at the forefront.
0: Yeah, I uh I put a lot of work into that back in the day and yeah. um yeah I mean same as you you know when I think about those kind of the pioneers <laughs> um the 15 it's like,
1: second or 10 second 15 second video
0: Yeah man great just shove it all in 10 seconds <laughs> yeah. But um yeah it's wild how how much has changed since then like even just a short time
1: Yeah Yeah but how
0: how's how's everything going with you man you know touring musician Lockdown. What's yeah. been happening?
1: Yeah, it's definitely been interesting because at the beginning of the year, my life was looking extremely, extremely different as of as everyone else's, you know, in the world. But um, we had about ten months of tour of touring booked this year. You know, it was basically we were going to do like a world tour. It was going to be like U.S. and we were going to go over to Europe and we were going to come back to the U.S. Um, or like the jingle ball stuff and then mm-hmm. we were gonna go to asia and then circle back and like that was my year you know mm-hmm. and um then as soon as covid started there were like jokes about shows being canceled like we were all in like the group text like ah, ha, ha, it's kind of scary what if shows start getting canceled like so-and-so show just got canceled next week and right. then a day later it's like oh our show in new york is canceled next week mm. And then, oh, our show in Texas is cl- is canceled in two weeks, but the one in Connecticut is still happening in three weeks. And then, right. everything was just canceled. And now it's there's basically, you know, the earliest pre production of any live like of real live sh- touring or shows isn't until like next, next definitely next year.
0: Wow.
1: Um, maybe next spring. Like,
0: that's it's craziness, man. It's it's hard yeah. to it's kind of hard to comprehend like how was that for you going from just like you know being super busy being around people every day for maybe most of the year to just being like oh it's just me and whoever I live with yeah like, how, no how absolutely that?
1: It that that was like a nightmare at first like because you know like if, if we're living on a tour bus you're always surrounded by people on tour like I mean a few nights a week we get a hotel room so you get like we get our own space but other, otherwise you know you're always around people you get to the venue you're around people at the venue you're going you're on the bus you're with all the crew and all the band and the artists like um so it's always stimulating and it's always like go 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 mm. and then you know even when i am home like i i go to shows like five or six nights a week just because i love like listening to music and i go to like rehearsals and i go to sessions like it's always seeing people and always having humor human interaction um even just down to like ordering a coffee from a coffee shop and like having an interaction with the barista or something you know like all of that human interaction was just like vaporized overnight um so yeah i got i was like super super depressed for the first like two or three months um like because it was just like a hundred to zero you know like i went from that that lifestyle to like absolute stillness and silence Mm. Um, and then along along with that comes like all the question marks like oh well what do i do now because my livelihood depended on live productions and live shows and that's definitely not happening for like the rest of the year um but in 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 that i kind of i mean everyone's been forced to be like a little more creative in how we're you know um supporting ourselves financially and i think it's given everyone a really awesome chance to like look inwards at their creative process and kind of reprioritize like what really has meaning Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. so almost like in a like a blessing in disguise for me at least figuring out a bunch of other things that i've really been wanting to do but maybe was just so distracted by touring because when you're on tour it's not really real life you know it's it's kind of just like fairyland, like nothing really matters. Like you don't have that much time to process emotions and you don't have that much space. Mm. So it's kind of like every day just leads into the next and you're just going for it. Um, but yeah, I've gotten super into production um, and, and writing and I'm practicing again, which I realize I haven't really been like actually shedding since yeah. like I moved to LA, honestly. Um,
0: How long you been in LA?
1: uh this is uh, five years now
0: oh wow uh, been there for a while yeah. cool
1: yeah um and yeah it's just been like a really eye-opening experience like i know like i do want to tour again at some point like just to because it's such a big part of me but i don't i know now that i don't want to be touring like forever by any right. means but, um,
0: is that the stability kind of thing or you know why why don't you want to tour for the rest of your life yeah
1: I mean, I guess I would, I would be more open to touring with like the right projects or something, you know, but like, I love doing pop gigs. Like they're so fun. Um, But keyword fun, you know, it's like, it's great money. It's great hangs. It's super fun, but it's not really doing anything for my like artistic development or stimulation or, you know, it's kind of, you play the same exact set to it. track every night you know Mm -hmm. and i kind of had the thought i was like wow i just like dropped dead one day like what did i really do the last five years like you know what i mean
0: yeah no no no. i i know exactly (laughs) what you mean i played to a
1: bunch of screaming teenagers like (laughs) that i don't know
0: yeah i mean yeah that's some (laughs) people's like Total dream, yeah. Like some some people, that's what they want to do. And I think um you're obviously in a position that you've been there, and you're like, yeah, you know, I love that; it's so much fun. But there's a certain bit of maturity that comes in when you're like, you know what? It's like, what am I getting out of this as a creative? You know, it's like playing the same thing every night. And I imagine it gets kind of boring, and you have to start putting on a face. And you can enjoy it when you're there, but. Yeah. Um. I know from my experience of playing like the same set several times it's it kind of it does get, I mean for me it gets bored and I know that you're heavily involved in sort of improvisational music and sort of playing some jazz and when you've done so much of that and you know that that kind of gets you going creatively it's like it's quite hard to just be like yep yeah, I'll play the same thing every night
1: yeah and especially with pop it's like you know you can get fired for playing like one extra chord or extra fill that wasn't going to be there you know like even on other gigs it's like more chill if you throw in a little reharm or put in a lick or Mm. you know what I mean something it's like oh sick that was that was cool it's still the same songs but you can kind of play them differently every night but on on, like most pop gigs it's kind of like play your part (laughs) because if you don't then I don't know
0: Mm. bye-bye yeah, I think a lot of people need to be made aware of that as well. Because, you know, I think a lot of young guys are like, you know, I want to tour with, I don't know, Taylor Swift. And it's like, yeah. cool. Like, that would probably be a fun gig. But realizing that it's going to be a grind as well, like kind of putting your creativity to the side is going to be, I think, hard for a lot of people. And
1: Yeah, that and making it like, the biggest thing that I had to overcome when I like first started touring with, with pop artists was like, because i had just got out of berkeley and i was like all jazzed up like literally jazzed you know what i mean um and just realizing like wow these gigs are not about me in any regard i'm not like it's not about me at all it's like all about this little guitar part on mm. these two strings playing these thirds for an yeah. hour you know what i mean it's like <laughs> and it doesn't matter like my artistic input doesn't really matter it's like mm. we got to play the tracks we got to play the songs to make the artist sound good
0: yeah. yeah yeah playing for the song and it's something that you learn mostly from experience i guess people tell you yeah. no man like just just play what's written or play what the song needs and yeah um there's a lot more i want to kind of ask you about touring but i'm curious what the what directions are you thinking about taking in the future because i know that you teach a lot and you kind of write music as well. Like, yeah. where do you see yourself being in five yeah, years mean, or a year even?
1: Yeah, at this point, um, I'm getting really into writing and um, in productions. And I think that's like more of a long-term, you know, kind of career that yeah. I could sustain like a family with. Um, and it wouldn't tie me down to being in Los Angeles forever because I definitely don't want to raise a family in L.A. <laughs>
0: No.
1: too expensive to begin with but yeah um that and and you know just before covid thing happened i was starting to really do a lot of musical directing um and like take on f- full artists like completely by myself and like wow. do the whole thing um and that's something i've always really wanted to do and that was that was really cool um so i think it would be cool to get to a place where you know i'm like MDing a couple artists putting like their live sets together i don't mean like touring with those artists like right. you know you're an artist and you say oh like i'm playing ellen or i'm going on tour and then i put your band together rehearse them make the arrangements get the show files and, and say get the set sounding good cool. and then you guys go out and, and tour or mm-hmm. um yeah i think a mixture of, of like musical directing and then and like songwriting and production um Cool man. that's probably where i'm going towards yeah
0: so in the in the songwriting process you know are you thinking songwriting like commercially or is that like as you as an artist
1: um yeah definitely not me as an artist like just writing for other artists in la like a lot of my a lot of my friends here write for like a lot of major artists so we're just like writing a bunch of stuff together and then they pitch them to those artists um so there's there's definitely like a lucrative kind mm. of process in there because when I try to sit down and write for myself, it's like uh...
0: <laughs> right. I mean, you you've managed to put out a, a record or two. It's like how um, how did you get on with that then? If if you yeah, feel like... well the
1: yeah the first the first record I ever made, which is like I listen to it and cringe now because it's, it's you know it's like six years old, but yeah, um, I made that when I was leaving Berkeley and. I kind of like had this realization. It was like, I made that whole thing in in like a week and a half or two weeks. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like all of these, all of my friends are leaving. Like, you know, you kind of forget like wherever you are is always kind of momentary, like Mm -hmm. whoever you're surrounded with. And I realized like, wow, half of my friends are all going back to Europe or going to where, and we're all leaving each other. So I was like, I want to just make a record with all my best friends and like, kind of make like a musical photo album of our memories together so we just like rented out the studio for like four days and it was i remember all the sessions were 2 a.m to 6 a.m so it was a lot of like coffee and dunkin donuts i was gonna Uh, say (laughs) and just like wrote the songs and then recorded them Uh, um
0: what's that uh what's that donut place in in uh boston that everybody loves it's like open all the time Oh, there's a
1: lot. I mean Blackbird oh, right. Donuts is really good.
0: Oh no, no, there. actually, sorry, it's a cookie place.
1: Oh, Insomnia cookies. Insomnia
0: cookies. Man, those yeah. things are so good.
1: They're actually really good. That's like,
0: crazy. Ridiculous. Man. They're they're so good. And I believe they're open like right? Until two AM at
1: pretty... least, yeah, and they deliver. Damn.
0: Yeah. That's that's what we're missing here in here in Scotland insomnia Insomnia
1: cookie delivery
0: (laughs) yeah man cool so how's the process changed in writing from your first record that was essentially a musical photo album to your latest one yeah the the
1: other the new one the the donut boy one yeah um so that was just (laughs) it's actually a really funny record because i had no intent on making a record at all i was i was i had just got off tour and i was home in western Massachusetts. Um and like where I grew up, it's like in the middle of nowhere. Um there's actually just a Netflix show called Unsolved Mysteries that oh, yeah. that my hometown was in. Like there's an alien sighting episode or something. Oh man, I,
0: I need to watch that. <laughs>
1: literally it's in Great Barrington, which is my hometown. Right. And one of the main character like one of the main guys in it is my neighbor. And that wow. dude. that dude's definitely like looney tunes but anyways <laughs> like,
0: wait wait so all- you're telling me that you've never saw an aliens
1: <laughs> <laughs> no and it's funny because we grew up i grew up like next to a cornfield and as a kid i was terrified i was gonna get abducted by aliens like really
0: wow i remember
1: waking up having to pee at like two in the morning and not and not going down the hallway because i thought yeah. if i went down the hallway i'd get abducted or something it's like funny that. i i had a
0: similar thing with um you know when you're really young and maybe you end up on like youtube seeing like ghost videos it's like things that go bang at night and um yeah yeah I do the same thing man I think everybody goes through that level of kind of growing up when you have to be exposed to fear I guess and be like yeah how do I deal with this
1: yeah um anyway so I was home um just to put it in perspective it's like an extremely rural quiet like town Mm -hmm. um and I just got off tour so it was like you know 100 miles an hour to zero kind of like beginning of quarantine but way better um and i just i was jet lagged you know it was like midnight at home but it was really it felt like 7 p.m or something for me so i was just like right. up and my family was sleeping so i just like took my acoustic guitar and like went outside and like walked down to the field and just laid in the field and it was like the first time i'd like really looked at the stars like in so long because they're mm. so bright there there's like literal shooting stars like every 30 seconds it's nuts um and like the crickets were super super loud um and i just like put my iphone on a voice memo record in my pocket Mm -hmm. and i literally just like played guitar for like whatever 25 minutes um and then kind of forgot about it and then i was like flying back home to la you know a week later or something and i like you know when you're on a plane and you kind of just like look through your photos or yeah, you look yeah. through you know whatever i found that voice memo and totally had forgotten about it and was like wow i'm just gonna release this because it makes me like it brought me back to that moment and it was like such a good moment right um, yeah Wow. so wow. i haven't really sat down and like whenever i try to sit down and write a record it's like it what one song is like some crazy shreddy rock song, and the next one is like a really deep out jazz song, and I'm just like, right. "What am I doing?" Like,
0: well, there's just different faucets of your imagination,
1: yeah. So I think <laughs> but, I'm kind of just um, I'm figuring that out now, like getting back cool. to to practicing and and trying to like hear what I'm hear what I'm hearing
0: hmm. more clearly. So can we expect uh, another record in the next five years, like your own? project
1: yeah oh definitely five years a hundred percent um i really wanted to do like what what i've been toying with pre-covid was like a live studio album cool, um, which is gonna be much more challenging now because covid but um yeah in the next five years definitely possible
0: wow uh, cool man well i imagine there's a lot of people like young musicians or i guess just anybody listen to this thinking you know all right, so I've, you know, I've heard Nick's play and I know that he's kind of touring the world all the time. That's cool. Like I want to do that. How, how did that happen? Cause I know that you were at Berkeley. That must've been a great place to network. And then you moved to LA, the kind of central hub for touring. It's like, what was that process like?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, for like, just to preface all of it, like, um, cause that sentence you just said like i was in that same spot i was like i grew up in a tiny town you know i was like one of two guitar players in my town basically and like yeah um i was i would see all these people touring and playing these big shows i I want to do that so freaking bad like Mm -hmm. how how, like you must have to like know the president to do that though you know what i mean like (laughs) it seems like so i'm
0: not sure i'd like to know your president right now yeah no
1: that was yeah definitely not this (laughs) president um like yeah so you know since literally i was like started playing guitar i was 10 since i was like 14 and i knew what touring was like that's all i wanted to do wow only thing i wanted to do um and i had had this band in high school and we we were together in high school for like four years the all four years of high school then we ended up all going to berkeley together continued the band there um and we were doing some like touring out of you know my station wagon like sleeping on like the floor you know what i mean things like and i was like wow this is such a rock star life i love it (laughs) um, and then you know it came time um to graduate we graduated um from berkeley and we had like signed a lease to move into a house together and we were gonna like do this band like full time, and then last minute I just had like a a guttural like freak out. I was like, I can't do this. Like, oh wow, I I was like, I want to play like stadiums and arenas and like I knew that like at the core the music that we were playing like wasn't gonna get there. It just mm-hmm. like stylistically, that's not what happens in arenas, you know. Yeah. Um, not to like diminish my dream, but I was like, realistically, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> Um, so I like quit the band and it was like s- very dramatic time. Cause like I'd lost like all my best friends basically, mm-hmm. cause, you know what I mean? Um, and I knew like t- a f- two or three people who were moving to LA and I was like, well, I see like all these tours going out of LA and all these people who live in LA, like seem to be t- touring all the time. Yeah. I was like, so I'm just going to go and figure out something and see what happens there. So I got in the car with my friend Jacob and we drove here with like, we didn't have an apartment. We didn't, we didn't know anyone. Like, you know what I mean? It was like, yeah. Wow. literally we just showed up. Um, we like, we signed the lease to an apartment, like off of um, some website, you know, like two nights before we got in, like praying that it was legitimate and it ended up working. Everything was great. Um, and we were here, I was here like only a month and I had met this guy, um, Hayden who was starting this website called, um, musician casting is basically like, a, that's my gig, you know, like mm-hmm. a, a legitimate, like Craigslist for actual gigs. Right. Um, and he was just launching it and he's like, Hey, I need someone to like go to an audition and then like leave a review for the website saying that it was like a legitimate audition. So I was like, great. Yeah, I'll go. Totally fine. Um, so I got this audition with this guy, Jordan Fisher. and Wow, I that was thought, the first gig he got. It was the first gig. I got, and I thought like that. that audition, I didn't, I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know anyone here. You yeah. know, I didn't know who he was. I didn't know, I didn't even know the artist's name. They didn't tell me the artist's name. They were yeah. just like, oh, just learn like these two acoustic songs um, and show up to the audition. So I was honestly expecting like, oh, like, a one-off gig at, like, Hotel Cafe where they pay me $50, and, like, right. you know what I mean? um, And it was, like, I was so, like, relaxed about it. Like, I had a friend visiting in town that week. Right. And um, I, like, didn't learn the songs ahead of time. I just, like, listened to them on the way to the
0: audition. <laughs> Classic.
1: <laughs> and it was, like, yeah, I'll figure these out. It's fine. And, like, rolled in, like, way too relaxed. It was just like, hey guys, like I'm Nick, what's up? <laughs> like played the songs and like Jordan was obviously there and we ended up like jamming out like so hard and just had like the best time. Wow. Um and then like a few days later, like I didn't you know, I didn't hear anything after that. And then a few days later I was like oh okay. It's like whatever, that was fun. Nothing nothing really happened. But um they just called me and they're like, hey we're going on like a six month tour starting in like two weeks can you go and I was like <laughs> like pooped my pants and was like yes
0: <laughs> wow it seems like you uh you lucked out man
1: yeah it was like completely right place right time Yeah, um, absolutely um but yeah and then like just doing that one gig like opened so many other doors because it's such a small community like the touring world is like literally that big it's like the same people over and over and over and over everywhere you go mm. kind of feeling um which is awesome but it's nice because then you know you meet a few people and then you get home and then there's another gig and then someone's like hey let's call nick or you know mm.
0: um yeah, yeah. that's yeah. uh that's crazy you know i think a lot of people you know they do the hotel cafe gig at least like 50 times you know yeah then, i mean like, eventually... i still i still
1: love playing at hotel cafe like that's still like i actually like prefer those shows over like really big
0: shows right i was going to ask you actually you know you've played some huge shows right like what um do you have a preference do you prefer the small venue kind of vibe or do you love just stadium kind of big i'm sure they both have their pros they and both pros.
1: have their yeah they both have their like things like the stadium thing is like so surreal like just like the energy of like 40 60 whatever thousand people like screaming at at like in your direction at all you know what i mean it's like terrifying it's in the best way it's like you you wouldn't know that like humans can be that loud you know right Uh, And if they, like, put their lights on their cell phones up and, like, swing them around, it literally is, like, the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Mm. Like, all the lights are off in the venue and there's just, like, 40,000, like, moving lights, like, going all the way around everything. It's, like, completely mad, Mm -hmm. Um, but awesome.
0: Wow. It's like you're shooting star situation, but honestly. It literally
1: is, like, yeah, it's crazy but the disconnect from that is like uh you know i'm like on stage you're actually i'm actually like so far from the crowd um cuz there's just so many like there's like the barriers and yeah. there's like you know what i mean it's just like the way arena shows are set up you're so distanced everyone is so distanced from the crowd it's like mm-hmm. hard to even like see the faces of the people in the front row almost you know yeah um so it feels a little more like I'm kind of in my own world and then there's the crowd over there. Mm. But hotel cafe, it's like, I can smell someone's perfume in the front. Like, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Much more like, intimate.
1: Yeah. And you can like look at people and like really connect and mm-hmm. um, like share that like intimate energy.
0: Yeah. So moving forward, is there uh would you have a preference, you know, like of doing, if you could only do stadium tours or like smaller venues? no
1: there's no preference i mean if i had to do like a tour i'd probably mm-hmm. rather do like a stadium tour just because um everything's always super on time
0: right cool yeah it's i like imagine the pay is obviously obviously yeah because well. a lot of
1: those gigs like the crew is working at like union so it's like literally 1104 soundtrack starts and 1117 oh, wow. ends. it's like you are on the, the clock which i love <laughs> cool um As opposed to, like, yeah, you can come to Soundtrack at, like, around 6. Yeah, totally. Maybe, and then you get there at, like, 6.15, and you don't Soundtrack till 8, and you're Mm. like, well, I just sat (laughs) here for three hours. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, totally. So, out of all the tours you've been on, what's been your favourites and why?
1: Wow. Um, Well, I would definitely say my, like, absolute most favourite tour was the the first one I ever did with Jordan, because... um, I mean, we were really, we were both young. It was our first tour for both of us. Oh, cool. um, It was just the two of us. It was like a radio promotion tour. So it was just him and I doing acoustic guitar and vocal. And it was just like me and my best friend, like going across the country and like, you know, like having all these like late nights and like deep talks and like going to all the museums and like just exploring the country like for the first time. Mm -hmm. um so it was just like a huge learning experience it was my first time like regularly playing in front of people and kind of like about to experiment with like stage presence and like how to you know how the whole industry works and Mm -hmm. um, you know just kind of a really insightful way of of learning kind of like how things work it's almost like going to law school and then like being in the courtroom you know what I mean it's like you're feeling the adrenaline of like the case and everything Mm -hmm. like there um so yeah that was by far my favorite one um just really good
0: yeah go ahead I was gonna say are there any places you've um you know you you wish you saw more of while you're on the road like any yeah
1: absolutely a lot of times like we just did um we did an asia tour last year um and we went all across like southeast asia like everywhere and um this was with Bosi, and the most time we spent in one city was like a day and a half otherwise it was like like we you know we flew into singapore and landed at like 5 p.m and then woke up it was the day show you know, we had the show that next day and then we flew to Jakarta and then we were in Jakarta for fifteen hours, you know, like right. flying yeah. at night, do the show, fly out the next morning, and then we were in Malaysia and then we were like and it was like I saw all the airports, you know, <laughs> and the drive from the airport to the to the venue or to the hotel, but um yeah, that was like the biggest a lot of times with with touring people are like wow you've probably seen so much of everything in the world and it's like a lot of the times you see the airport the hotel the Mm -hmm. venue and maybe if you have a day off then you can explore but um wow yeah
0: Hmm, so i guess uh (laughs) there's a
1: really funny meme on the internet where someone there's like it's it's like uh wow your like life on the road must be so cool and it's like a picture of like a gas station sign like a motel six and like you know what I mean it's like honestly not too far off like
0: Mm. yeah I mean maybe I should ask the question what's been your favorite airport in the whole world then oh wow
1: (laughs) I can tell you like the the best airports and the best terminals at every airport that's how disgusting it is (laughs) like all right fair um (laughs) Nice, Singapore man. airport wins everything. Is that Violet. the one with well, the they big, have a, uh... they have a butterfly garden at the freaking airport.
0: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. That's uh, that's pretty wild.
1: It's totally crazy. Hmm. Um, LaGuardia is probably the worst airport in the world. Right. New York, New York LaGuardia is terrible. <laughs> yeah.
0: I am. Uh, I'm not a fan of, um, or maybe I went to a different part, but JFK i didn't really oh yeah
1: jfk's they're all they're all garbage saying lax is garbage um yeah i don't know
0: well anyway enough of the airport chat so obviously uh because of well the situation but you've been am i right in saying that you've been quite passionate about teaching in some way since maybe you were in berkeley
1: no yeah since like before that i i I started teaching guitar when I was 13. Like as soon as I started learning, I started yeah. advertising at my school, like for like lunch money. I'm not even kidding. was business. Literally, I would I would teach I would teach kids in like grade four, like below me. You know, um, I'd be like, yeah, you're like, what you know, lunch money, and I'll give you I'll teach you guitar. You can wow, you can learn. And then um, I had a bunch of lessons on YouTube when youtube was just thing, just starting to be a thing um i'm like literally 12 13 years old like teaching like little wing and stuff oh wow uh, and are,
0: are those videos still up
1: they're private now but a right. few of those videos had like over a million views just because i was like the f- literal first yeah, yeah. person to put up like Jimi hendrix little wing lesson like wow um but yeah i so i've literally i've always like always 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 taught like somehow I've, I've had like would go into Facebook groups and be like, I'm a guitar teacher. Here's my Skype, you know, PayPal me $10 for an hour. Like when I was like a kid, you know? Wow. Um, so yeah, I've, I've always taught and I've always enjoyed it. Um, I never want, I never wanted to be like a music teacher. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, something about the title, like makes me feel like more, I don't know how to explain it. It just it seems too strict, almost. Like I'd rather just think of it like, yeah, I'm just like sharing some information with you from what I know.
0: Yeah, like a I don't know. like a um. A like faci- a a, yeah, or like a facilitator like, of like musical development.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh. Um, and yeah, it's like it's it's been a huge, it's been like a huge part of, like my income stream since I was like 13 you know what I mean literally right, um,
0: wow. that's crazy <laughs> like th- yeah. teaching for lunch money I remember yeah. uh I don't know lunch money I'm not sure I sold anything for lunch money in my school there was this uh scene where <laughs> this is weird but I've spoken to other people in the UK and it was a thing there you would like um you'd buy like a big box of you know like chewing gum yeah and for whatever reason in high school everybody wants chewing gum so you sell uh, chewing yeah. gum was that a thing at your school as well?
1: People, people would try to do that. Yeah, it didn't work as well at my high school. Um, there was
0: a real scene. <laughs> yeah, it
1: was like very underground because people would get in trouble, like a lot of trouble for doing right. that. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure I, pro- I probably could have got in trouble for taking lunch money for guitar lessons, but it was so innocent. I feel like it's yeah.
0: <laughs> so in your um, your mentoring of uh, students these days, you know how um. How does that look? Cause I know that everybody's got their, their own agenda. Some people follow a curriculum. Um, yeah. some people just kind of follow their instinct, you know, how, yes, there's like you there's a right couple now?
1: different kinds of like student groups, I guess I could say, but my general teaching method is like always is always pretty much structured the same. Right. Um, like if someone comes to me from Instagram and it's just like, Hey, I don't care about theory or anything. I just want to learn this one lick from this video. I'm still going to give you the theory and the why and the yeah, how of you course. actually, you know what I mean? Cause it's important. Um, and, um, nowadays, though, most students that I have are are really into, you know, the, the practical like application of a technique and, yep. and want to really dig in and learn, like actually learn the art of music again, yep. which is awesome. Um, because the only thing I don't like about Instagram, and it's totally done this to me too, is I feel like it's kind of poisoned, like, full form things. It's like, oh, wow, I need to nail this 30 to 60 seconds.
0: Yep. I've uh, I've had students literally show me an Instagram video and be like, I want to do that. I'm like, yeah, and you do realize like, what that means. It's yeah. Like, it's cool. Like, there's so much you can dig into in, like, a Mateus Sato video. It's like, there's so much technique, great For theory, sure. but it's For like... Sure. Is such a small snippet of an overall, you know, thing, someone's sound. and Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. It's great to hear that you kind of, you go into it, because I think that's important, especially with Instagram. And, you know, people are thinking that you need to be good for 45 seconds, you know?
1: Yeah, like, you got to be good for an hour.
0: Man, you got to be good forever. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, we all have kind of shit times, so, like, can't sound great all the time, of course.
1: Oh, yeah, no, 100%
0: yeah so um, what um what are some of your favorite things about being a a mentor
1: yeah i mean so right now um it's actually been really cool I'm, i've been teaching with this company called um gmi um it's called guitar mastery intensive right cool um, and it's it's awesome because there's an actual like application process to join the program so
0: ah. um
1: you can be like accepted or not so everyone who does it is like very 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 committed to guitar and like really wants to to do it um and it's my first time having like you know 10 weekly routine um students like for a a block of time so the program's like three months long so I have wow you know 10 students a week for three months um yeah and we meet every week we talk throughout the week um and it's just super super awesome to Have that kind of commitment on both ends.
0: Yeah. Hey, sorry for interrupting the podcast. I'll just be one minute. If you're receiving value from this podcast, consider supporting me by getting some of the sitting in merch from teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash sitting dash in dash podcast. That's T E E S P R I N G dot com forward slash stores forward slash sitting dash in dash podcast. What I'm curious about is uh, because I know there are a lot of big discussions on this amongst guitarists across all genres. Um, What is your approach to understanding the fretboard? Because I know as a teacher, you kind of have to be flexible in how you teach that depending on the individual's knowledge and how they process information. So I'm curious, uh, from your perspective, what is your way of kind of navigating that?
1: Yeah. Um, So I guess the most traditional approach is through scales, right? Like let's learn the C major scale and all the positions, all the modes. And there you go, you have pretty much all of your notes on the fretboard, right? But you can teach someone all their modes, all their scales, and it's not going to teach them all of the notes on the fretboard because it becomes scales become muscle memory and you know you have all seven notes on each octave and it kind of just becomes a muscle, a hand movement over, oh, there's a C, there's a D, E, F G, A, B C. So what I've gotten people to do is, <clears throat> or I guess the, the fastest approach to really knowing your way around the fretboard and memorizing where the notes actually are is just by learning triads, like just all of your triads. So I'll have, I'll have my students like master their C major triads on all string sets and all positions, right? And not necessarily have them memorize the name of each note. In the beginning i'll just first kind of trick them by going just remember where your intervals are so if you always know where your root is and your third and your fifth is then that's that's half the battle you know so then i'll have them construct okay i know here's my c major root position on the top three strings and i say okay we're gonna make that minor now and they go oh well i know where my third is so i can just lower my third and then oh my fifth i'm gonna lower that again make that diminished or you know um basically giving them like a, f- a foundation of here's your major triads, and with these you can do everything, right? um And then it's a lot easier to go right, like you know your music theory, you know a C triad is C E G, and you know your root, third, fifth. So if you now know C E G all over the neck, if you know C, you know C sharp, you know B, if you know E, you know F, you know E flat. You know what I mean? You can kind of fill in the the blanks around each note, um, and that's kind of A more usable way because no one like really looks at the guitar and sees something as neatly laid out as like a keyboard or you see every single note right in front of your eyes it's it does take like a split second sometimes uh, in certain areas of the neck you know um and for me it's like that split second can become pretty much instantaneous looking at the fretboard if you can visualize your triads um i think that's the best way
0: cool man and does that come out of um what you were taught at berkeley because i know at berkeley they're from what i believe actually they're uh heavy on like the chord scale theory when it comes to approaching jazz and improvisation or was your uh teaching more in like the diatonic yeah. approach
1: i so at berkeley i kind of i mean obviously we had to learn the chord scale thing we had to learn all the modes we had to learn you know, oh, if you have this secondary dominant, you use mixolydian flat nine, or this one is, you know, and I hated that. I don't know why. I just did not like that approach because it made everyone sound the same and everyone was just playing scales. 100%. Um, and to me, I was just kind of like, all right, well, show me something else because I don't like the way this sounds. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just started getting into more triad based, you know, uh, and harmony based. Like I approach guitar and soloing. Through harmony, like very rarely do I use scales. Like, if I'm playing over like, whatever, a C major seven, like I'll play a million different. Like, if I want to get like a major nine sound, I'll just play over it, like an E minor seven. Or if I want to get uh, some out more out sounds, I'll play over like a C major seven, like an A sus or a D sus or an E sus. Like just using arpeggios instead of using scales because the other problem I have with scales is like scales have avoid void notes in them, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and arpeggios don't. <laughs> so It's like, why, why do I want to have to memorize all these scales and then memorize the notes not to play in those scales? And then I don't know, you know?
0: Yeah, no, definitely, man. I think there's, there's lots to be taken from both of the uh, kind of sides of our yeah. of thought.
1: No, hundred percent. Like if you don't know your scales, then you're not, you're going to have a really hard time with music and guitar. So it's absolutely essential to to know to your scales
0: too. But I think the the only thing I disagree with is when I, I wouldn't say I disagree with, but it kind of rubs me the wrong way is when someone is like, no, it's just a cage system, nothing else, you know, like yeah, only no. one system. And it's like, I think as, you know, as a a student of music and a teacher of music or a mentor, whatever way you frame that it's like, it's important to kind of know it all in some way, like cage, oh, yeah. or triadic or scales, yeah. Um, but yeah, so when you were going through Berkeley or even before this, uh, and up until now, are there any mentors that you've had who have just been like, just game changers?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tim Miller, like changed oh, my life in yeah. the forever. I had like a year and a half or two years with him.
0: Wow. How uh, regular?
1: Oh, every week.
0: Damn.
1: Yeah. An hour a week. Is like the best hour of my life every week.
0: Man, I'm, I'm so jealous. I, I studied a, a bit of his music and I just, I love it.
1: It's great. He's crazy, man. And his, his approach is just so like, it just makes so much sense and always sounds good. It's mm-hmm. nuts. Um, and then there was this, this ear training teacher. Um, her name was Yumiko Matsuyoka. And she, we actually still keep in touch every now and then. She's like, she was the hardest teacher I've ever had. Like, she, she would not. It's not that she was like mean or anything. It's just she knew that you could give a hundred percent, and if you didn't, she like there was no leeway. It's like you didn't right. try your hardest here, and you didn't succeed because of that. That was on you. It wasn't on anyone else. So she like really taught me like. Like I learned how to learn from her, and I learned like how how to like push your limits, like to beyond what you think you, you can do. It's like right. oh, I, you hear something that a concept or or a scale, I don't know, whatever it is, and you're like, I I couldn't do that, and it's like, of course you can. Anyway, if that guy can do it, you could do it. You know what I mean? Like, um, and then I studied with uh, Mick Goodrick for the, wow. my wow. last my last year. And that was just, like, such a trip and so strange. Like, the first day, the first lesson, he gave me these pills. (laughs) I don't know if this should go, (laughs) if this this should air. It's probably fine. He gave me these, like, special pills, and he's like, it's a three-day weekend. Take these on Friday, and let me know how it goes. And I was like, okay. He, like, took these pills out of this, like, weird fridge safe from under his desk. Yeah. Yeah. and he said they would make me feel really good. And I took them and nothing nothing happened at all. But mm. my friend Evan, who took them, also went like on a little goodbye trip for a few days after he took them apparently.
0: right?
1: Um, I guess it was like a mixture of some like, um, this like African root plant or something. It was very, right. very specific, very McGoodrick. Um, <laughs> and most of our lessons we would eat dark chocolate And talk about like marriage. (laughs) Wow! And then on the weekends, we would go to the outpost in Cambridge and draw like live naked like models um, and improvise. Wow! Just like free jazz. Um, And we would draw a lot. We would do a lot of upside down drawings together together like before we'd improvise
0: um wow man super like uh holistic approach to teaching music via yeah. art i guess
1: yeah definitely i think it's like the biggest take. like honestly though when we would draw we would do these drawing exercises that like, come in you'd put a timer on for five minutes and he would have a, an image and he'd say and he'd make me draw it and something about drawing an image upside down actually like marries your right and left brain because right um there was like the first one I ever did was a picture of a horse and I first tried to copy it face up Mm -hmm. the way that I saw it um and then like a week later I did did the same thing but I drew it upside down and the one I did upside down looked like you could have sold that it looked amazing like (laughs) I'm not even I'm not even like tooting my own horn it was an awesome horse drawing Wow. um and his point was like when I when it was oriented right side up, I was I already was kind of in my brain was completing the picture because I I already knew what it looked like in my head. I was like I had the expectation of right. what the horse should look like, so I was painting I was drawing it like that. Versus when it's upside down, I was just looking at each line as like a static random line that goes from point A to point B and then connects mm-hmm. to this line, which connects to that line, and then every time we would do something like that, and then we would and then I would improvise after. I played like the most hip stuff ever. It was like crazy.
0: Wow. Um, have you um, have you studied much of Kenny Werner's uh, you know, because a lot of the stuff you're talking about reminds me of like, you know, the non-judgment approach and like, a lot of yeah. what he teaches in effortless mastery. Is that something you're interested in?
1: I've read the book, but I haven't I haven't like studied much of his his stuff.
0: Right. And did you find that the book was helpful at all? Or?
1: I liked the book a lot. Yeah. Um, I know some people are like, ah, oh, I, I, I like the book a lot. I thought
0: it was cool. great. And so these kind of exercises, they're kind of like, you know, you pay all this money and go to Berkeley. And like imagine like a freshman, like getting Mick Goodrick. And it's like, all right, draw me this horse. Like, obviously you'd be freaked out. You'd be like, what? Gives you some you know stuff yeah. and it's like all right i'll uh i'll go and speak to the, the the officer about this um obviously you're a bit more mature by the time you'd met him so you could handle it but i'm wondering are these concepts or approaches things that you share with your students you know like to get them thinking differently
1: yeah um i haven't done um i definitely don't give any of my students pills <laughs> um <laughs> Or well I mean it's, it's
0: through it's through zoom and Skype now so like. <laughs> yeah
1: um i haven't I haven't really explored that much because it's so so much of it is done it's like an in person thing right you yeah know? um so it's kind of challenging to be like here I'm gonna send you this PDF of a horse and I want you to draw it upside down it's like <laughs> um, but you know I, try try to i try to sometimes do like other kind of like brain opening exercises whatever you want to call that um but it's more it's usually more on the student to actually commit and do it yeah there to be like i'm watching you draw this horse right now yeah yeah, yeah.
0: oh wow that sounds like such a a wide array of kind of inspiration that you can draw and you know like the lessons from tim which uh, i imagine would be like super fun and relaxed but like you're really like very structured yeah yeah totally because yeah i've I've like checked out some of his stuff online where he teaches and it's always like very concise and like straight to the point but yeah. just exactly what you need uh compared to like mick gudrick approach that was very different and it's funny you tell me about like your experience with him because i've won his books they won on a it's just about triads basically like just moving triads through cycles mm-hmm. and uh it's cool it's really cool but uh yeah it's just different like i i thought you would have said like yeah I studied mick goodrick and he told me the importance of triads but no it's like yeah. draw, drawing horses upside down to open my yeah. prefrontal cortex oh, um, me, oh that's that's so cool man so yeah i don't want to like keep up to, or take too much of your time here but i'm wondering kind of veering back to the current situation of kind of being locked down having an online life um are there are there any things you've been doing lately that are kind of uh a bit different from like doing music what's been catching your attention how have you been unwinding
1: yeah um pretty much every night 9 10 p.m. till 4 a. M., I a.m. i'm uh in the beautiful beautiful
0: world of verdansk <laughs> man i love that place uh,
1: yeah i yeah like it's crazy how many how many people are playing like online games like um Especially I feel like Call of Duty, like Warzone specifically, so many people are playing it.
0: I think it's because it's free. You know, if we were kids, it'd be Fortnite.
1: Yeah, uh, exactly. It's, it's, it's no different. It's like, um, and it's totally an escape because when you're like, in the, I don't know if you get that into the game, but like I have like the headset. Oh man, and I'm, trust like,
0: me, I'm, I'm into it. Like every night we, we have a clan
1: yeah it's like you, you get you get it gets crazy crazy deep and like um I, I i was wearing my um my watch like tells me my heart rate and stuff and um if if people don't play the game it's basically like you know 150 people drop in on this map and last person standing wins and you basically kill each other it sounds terrible but it's just a lot of fun um and when it's in the final like you know last five people and you're you're there, it's so tense. My heart rate literally went from like resting, whatever, like 60 bpm, and like after the after the game where it was like me just me in the final circle and it was quads and it was two other squads and just me. Dude, my heart rate went up to a hundred and like twenty bpm. Jeez. It was like I was like running or something. Um so that's it's, mad. yeah. It's I had an involved, a an emotionally involved game.
0: It really is. I was. I mean, I must confess, I'm in the same boat as you, Nick. It's like, are it's you being, good
1: or are you trash?
0: I think I'm all right. Like, we need to play together. I'll, I'll show you what I got. But um, yeah, we were. It was like near like final circle as well. You know, um, I was gonna describe the exact corner on the map, but I'm not gonna because it's just whatever. But uh, we still had. Uh, there was three years left in a quad. Uh, one guy down just me and the other guy left my my other like teammate and uh it was the same i was man i was quick scoping people left right and center it was so intense and uh unfortunately we ended up coming third but after that it's like i was gonna go to bed you know kaylee was like are you finished yet like (laughs) i'm I'm up early um man i i couldn't sleep like i just couldn't sleep because i was just so pumped from playing and i had the worst night's sleep i've had in years but it's like that game like it really kind of sucks you in doesn't it
1: oh yeah a hundred percent it's it's i don't know i think it's amazing it's it's great though because oh yeah it to me it it is some and this might sound like super lame but it's some added social
0: 100
1: like my life because
0: yeah
1: you know going back to what we were first talking about it's like our social labs are basically done for you know the time being like and it's cool to be able to kind of like hang out with all my friends. Like, you know, we can't hang out in person, like at each other's houses, and it's like, or me and you, we could play together. It's like hanging out. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Like, well, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that. I'll need to uh, yeah. send you my uh, my thing. Are and, you on um,
1: PlayStation? What are you, what console are you? I on? play on Xbox,
0: but you can still play, obviously, yeah, yeah, unless yeah. you're uh, unless you don't do cross-platform playing. No, I do. cross-platform <laughs> great you seem like you're uh you're legit I'm I'm up for playing with you <laughs> yeah. cool got, man well
1: my internet's like fixed because oh last yeah it was so terrible cool And it was like a clear we were clearly about to win and it just my internet just slid. Like
0: man that would it. uh that would be enough to keep me up at night never mind they're drowning <laughs> yeah. but yeah man cool so I guess for the the people listening I'm not going to ask what your preferred loadout is so you can share that with them, but where can they, uh, where can they find you online and what can we expect to see from you online uh, other than the quick scope montages on your YouTube page? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I mean, most of my stuff these days is just on Instagram at uh, Nicholas Beaniglue. Good luck spelling my last name. Um.
0: <laughs> I, I, I've, I've come in, because uh, I kind of see it like vein or glue. Yeah. So it's like I would have thought your name was Vinoglu, but yeah, how did that's you say actually
1: that? closer to the proper Greek like pronunciation. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Um. So
0: yeah. Cool. Uh, so get you on Instagram, right?
1: Yeah. Honestly, just give me an Instagram. I'm not. I'm not doing the TikTok thing because now apparently Trump is gonna ban TikTok. So that's that's off the office, that's off the table. Yeah. And, and if, if, if people yeah if people want to sign Google up to um.
0: Oh, sorry, man. I lost you there. Oh, you're good. You're you good? Uh, yeah, so if people want to sign up to uh, become part of your kind of student clientele thing, uh, where can you find that information?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, totally forgot. Um, I have a sweet Patreon page. Um, if anyone is, is into that, um, it's not just focused around guitar lessons, because I know that there are a million bajillion guitar lessons online, hmm. um, but it's more kind of i have like a audition crash crash course on there so it's like everything to expect for and how to prepare on audition there's like a a mock-up audition Um, oh wow there's like a whole music industry tips thing like how to network how to promote yourself how to basically like if you're like you know wherever if you are in a small town like i was and you want to move to a big city like la like how you do that and how you make it quote unquote um yeah
0: wow fantastic great I'll, I'll link all that stuff below so if you're listening and you're interested just check out the description cool yeah. man all right do you have any final words of wisdom for the people listening before i uh wrap it up
1: um wash your hands <laughs> if you're in the u.s vote yep and um yeah you know pet the cat drink some tea
0: take the pills (laughs) draw some horses
1: and it'll all be over
0: soon (laughs) all right that wraps up episode 15 of sitting in i hope you enjoyed that and as always uh the guests information will be in the uh, podcast description as well as uh, a link to where you can get some merch if you want to support us all right until next time see ya